that Easter is not a celebration of the church, and it's not even a celebration about anything that Jesus has done for us, or any of the miracles, any of the teachings. The resurrection, Easter is about the resurrection, this very real, true event that really did happen on that Sunday morning. And we talk about how the resurrection changes everything. This week, I want to talk about something that happened right after the resurrection, immediately following the resurrection. And we're going to be talking about the subject of doubt. Doubt. Now, that's a dirty word in the church world because, to be honest, most of us really aren't willing to admit when we have doubt. But all of us have been there. All of us have fallen into times where we have doubts about different things. But some of you, the good news is, some of you this morning, your attitude is this. The Bible says it. I believe it. Praise God. And I'm grateful uh, for you guys if that's you. And I, I've arrived there myself. Table of contents all the way to the maps, right? And so, uh, but many people, though, they have sincere, honest doubts. They're just not there. Now, there's different levels of doubt. Now, some people, uh, they doubt the existence of God at all. They doubt the existence of God. They just, they don't believe it. As a matter of fact, they haven't put their trust and faith in the one true God. They're putting their trust and faith in the fact there is no God anywhere. And they think that you're foolish for believing in God. Now, another level of doubt that exists uh, is the doubt about, some people doubt whether or not God actually cares. And maybe you've been there before. You're like, does God actually care about me? Maybe uh, something happened in your life. You needed something or you thought God should come through in a certain way. And He didn't. And that caused you to think and be convinced. Hey, God doesn't actually really care about me that much. Maybe He does for some people. Or maybe you're at the point of maybe you've been there before where you thought that God didn't love you. You think, well, yeah, God loves some people. He's really good people, I guess. But you don't really think. You, you think. After everything I've done, after everything uh, that I've seen, after everywhere I've been, right? Uh, I had a lady mad at me today. And she said, Marcus, don't forget about your past. I'm like, sister, I know all about my past, and so does the Lord. And so sometimes we almost feel unlovable. And so we have doubts about the love of God. And so this morning, as we're talking about doubt, you already know who we're going to talk about, don't you? You know. We're going to talk about doubting who? I heard you. Thomas. Doubting Thomas. This poor guy, only 12 verses in all of Scripture that he gets. That's it. He gets 12 verses, and he's remembered for all time as doubting Thomas. Granted for all of history as doubting Thomas. But I love Thomas. Thomas shows us how God can take somebody uh, that has sincere, real, honest doubts and help them become uh, absolute bedrock of faith. And we see that God did this in the life of poor Thomas, doubting Thomas. So we're going to look at him, but I want to give you the context first. Now remember, the resurrection, Jesus was dead, and the resurrection has happened. He has come out of the grave. The women have gone to the grave, and he's not here. Uh, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Ladies, the angels said to the ladies that went to the tomb, and they said, oh, we thought he was dead. We saw him die. And so Peter's looking to the all of this has happened. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And then these two guys that are on the road to Emmaus, and that's why I'm going to pick up the story. Before I get to John, I'm going to start here in Luke 24 and verse number 36. Luke 24, verse 36. 
says, Now as they said these things, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Now why would they be terrified? Why were they frightened? Because they thought Jesus was dead. Not only did they think that Jesus was dead, they saw Him die. He, was, he wasn't mostly dead, like the, one of the greatest movies of all time, The Princess Bride. He wasn't mostly dead. He was totally dead. They saw Him die, and now He's back. And I don't know about you, that would freak you out. Amen? It would freak you out. So these guys were terrified. They had no idea about the resurrection. They didn't have a clue that Jesus was going to come back. They thought that He had died, He was dead, and that He was going to stay dead. Right, but look what Jesus said to him in verse 38. He said, why do you trouble? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? He said, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus is basically saying, hey guys, did you forget about all the things I did? About all the blind people that we healed, the deaf people that we healed, that I brought the dead back to life? Did you forget that time when I told you guys that I, the, the Son of Man was going to lay down his life and take it back up again three days later? Did you forget about all that? And the truth is, we talked about this last week. Whenever Jesus talked about the fact that he was going to lay down his life, all of the disciples went, no, 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 I don't hear you, no, 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 no. They didn't want to hear it, man. They just weren't listening. Jesus told them, but they weren't listening. How many of you this morning could testify that God was showing you something at some point in your life and you weren't listening? You weren't listening. Well, the disciples weren't listening. And Jesus like, don't you guys remember all these things? And then in verse 36, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, verse 38 again, he says, why are you troubled and why do doubt arise in your heart? He's saying, don't you remember who I am and what I said? Now, on the road to Emmaus, this isn't the same thing, but guess who wasn't there? Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there. Right? And it's the same thing. It's almost like Thomas missed church. Thomas just goes, you know, we're on a regular schedule and everything's happening. Have you ever noticed that some of you, you're at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but the one Sunday morning that you miss, it's like heaven opened up, everybody got saved, that sweet family you've been praying for, they joined the church, all the children come up to get baptized, and the one Sunday that you miss, it seems like everything happens, right? Right? It, 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 it stinks when we have to miss church. Well, it's almost like Thomas here was missing church. And because Thomas missed church, he missed the presence of God. He missed the presence of Jesus. He missed the power of Jesus. He missed the peace be still of Jesus. He missed all of this. He didn't see any of it. Right? And by the way, I can't wait to go back to church. How about you?
that Jesus truly is risen from the dead. One of the great problems in the church well, in America today is the fact that so many people kind of believe in Jesus. They, they, kind, they kind, you know, I kind of believe in Jesus. I kind of, you know, yeah, I believe, you know, my parents, we went to church when I was a kid. And I kind of believe in Jesus. Not really serious about their faith. We see it all around us. Right, my I was born in West Tennessee in America, and that kind of makes you a Christian automatically, doesn't it? So I kind of believe in Jesus, this halfway faith, not sold out to Christ at all. And what the problem with this kind of, sort of, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't try not to make that big, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. The problem with that kind of faith is someday something will happen, something comes along, and what happens is it shapes your faith. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a heartache. Maybe something's financial. Maybe you just lost your job. But it's shaking your faith. And if something comes and it rattles your faith, and what happens is you begin to wonder, well, I said I believe in Jesus. Do I really? Right? Do I really believe this? Or is this my parents' faith? Do I really believe what the Bible says about Jesus? Or is this just what my grandparents said? So? Do I really believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Do I really believe that this thing, Jesus, rose from the dead? See, because don't miss the claims of the disciples. What the disciples were claiming was not this halfway, I kind of believe in Jesus. You know, I'm not, yeah, I believe in God, but I don't want to say too serious. That's not what the disciples were presenting. They were presenting the fact that God became flesh. He became man walked among us, born of a virgin. And that's important because that means he was born without a sin nature, unlike me and unlike you. So he lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross, literally became my sin. Like all that sin that anybody ever wants to throw up in your face, he became sin for us. And he paid the price on the cross. And on the third day, literally, physically, bodily, not symbolically, but just spiritually, literally rose from the grave, triumphant over hell, death, sin, and the grave. He did it for us. And the Bible says that's what the disciples were teaching, and that's what they believed. There's nothing in that story that should teach you to them. But it doesn't really affect my life. It's not, you know, I, you know, it's a good story or whatever it is. This is the claim of the disciples, the risen Savior of the world. The resurrection demands a response. Even as believers, when we evaluate it, the resurrection demands a response. There is no middle ground when it comes to the resurrection. If Jesus is who the Word of God says He is, if Jesus is who the disciples says He is, then it demands a response. Not like I got one toe in the water, I'm half in, I'm half out, right? It's a nice story. It's not like I believe, you know, I kind of believe in God, whatever. No, it's either this is something worth devoting my life to, or it's not. The resurrection demands a response. There is no middle ground when it comes to the resurrection. And to me, the only responsible, I mean, the only reasonable response to a Savior who died for my sins, right, is to live my life for Him. And so Thomas, when the disciples are presenting the resurrected Christ, basically Thomas is saying, this is important, man. I need to know if this is true. Because if this is true, it changes everything. If this is true, everything changes. I want you to understand something this morning. Doubt is not the end of faith. Most of the time, real faith begins with some doubt. Real faith starts with some doubt. Doubt can be the beginning of rock, solid, 
solidify rock solid faith that appears you own in life to glorify God in everything that He calls you to do. Many times it starts with a little bit of doubt. And here's Thomas, and Thomas has doubt. Look at John 20, verse 26. This is eight days later. It says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. All right, Thomas made it to Bible study. Thomas showed up to small group, okay? Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood at the bench and said, peace to you. By the way, do you notice this trend in the New Testament? Whenever Jesus freaks people out, he always says, peace. Right. He doesn't freak these guys out. And don't miss this. This isn't going to change your life theologically. It's not going to make a big difference in the story even. I just think it's super cool. Again, I'm speaking for eight-year-old Marcus. The fact that Jesus literally just appeared in their midst. Like Jesus wasn't there, and he was. Jesus literally, he's out here literally walking the wall. And I just think that's pretty cool. Sure, healing the blind, that's okay. But this is some pretty cool eight-year-old Marcus stuff, and it really did happen. Jesus just appears in the room. Boom! There's Jesus. And he's like, peace. Everything's okay. Calm down. It's all right. Listen, the stone did not keep him in the tomb, and a locked door did not keep him out of the room. A stone didn't keep him in the tomb, and a locked door didn't keep him out of the room. Why? Because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Those doors are locked. They didn't let him in. He just did it. I, anyway, I'm sorry. I just think that's super cool. He's walking through walls. Look at verse 27. Notice who he focuses on. He said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. He said, Thomas, stop out down. But I want you to notice what he did. So what, what Jesus did was he shows up. Hey, everybody calm down. Peace, peace with you. Right? Then he zeroes in on the one person in the room that wants to believe but has that. Zeroes in on the one person that wants to believe, but he has doubt. And Jesus begins speaking to Thomas. He's like, hey, touch me here, reach in here, do what you got to do, man. But stop, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed. And I believe that Jesus is saying to some of us this morning, stop doubting and start believing. Start, stop with the, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus kind of thing. Really live your life for him. And look at verse number 28. This is what Thomas said to a resurrected Jesus right in front of his eyes. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This isn't my mom and dad's Lord and God. This isn't my grandparents' Lord and God. This isn't the disciples' Lord and God. When he sees the risen Savior, this is my Lord and my God. He's no longer rabbi. He's no longer my good friend Jesus. He is now my Lord and my God. Why? Because the resurrection demands a response. For Thomas, it became personal. It wasn't secondhand. He wasn't just believing in Jesus. He's believing in Jesus. He's believing on Jesus. There's a big difference between, like, yeah, I believe in a Jesus. You know, he did a good thing. No, no, no. He's believing in the resurrected Messiah, the Savior of the world, right there in front of him. And that's what happened to me. I believe on Christ. Like Thomas did. I didn't see Jesus physically in front of me like that, but I believe what the Word of God said about who Jesus was. And he no longer became a name in the book. He became my Lord and my God when I believe. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that can happen for you too. 
And you want to talk about something that really built up my faith personally. It's, it's something I think about. The disciples, all the eyewitnesses to the resurrection, and what they went through after the resurrection. I mean, think about Peter, the apostle Peter, right on the in the upper room, and Jesus like, somebody's going to betray me, and then Peter's like, not me, Lord. I'll never let you down. Right? Take the thin, Jesus, me and you. I'm down, homie. I got your back. I got your back, Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're going to deny me three times. Right before the room, you're going to deny me three times. And what did Peter do? When thick and thin, listen, when he got thick and thin, Peter, when the going got tough, Peter got going. And he denied Jesus three times. Matter of fact, he did it to a little girl. A little girl intimidated him so much, he was cussing and denying that he even knew who Jesus was. Completely whipped out. But what happened? Peter saw an empty tomb. And then later he saw a resurrected Jesus. And upon seeing the empty tomb and seeing a resurrected Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, he preached the greatest sermon that's probably ever been preached other than Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And on the day of Pentecost, he preached the gospel. And he told those people, he said, this, this Jesus, whom you crucified, right? This is what's happened. He is back. And those people said, what, what does he do? He said, believe him. Uh, repent of your sin. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. And that day, over 3,000 people, men and women, gave their lives. They stopped thinking of Jesus as this person. And they started thinking of Jesus as my Lord and my God. Because they believed the resurrection story. This same Peter who denied Jesus later on, they literally have him in chains and they tell him, deny Christ. Years after this, years after Pentecost, deny Christ, deny Jesus. And Peter said, I'll never do it. Deny Jesus or we're going to kill you. Peter said, you're going to have it to do. They said, we're going to crucify you. And according to church history, church tradition, right? Peter said, I don't deserve to be crucified like my Savior. I don't deserve to be crucified like my Lord and my God. So they crucified uh, Peter upside down, on an upside down cross. And that's how he died, because he would not. The Christ that he once denied, he was now dying for. And by the way, Peter didn't die by himself. They, they murdered his wife in that same day. His wife was little. This is a family of faith. But why did Peter do that? Because of the resurrection. The resurrection changes everything and it demands a response. I mean, think about uh, uh, the, the uh, change, the half-brother Jesus. Now listen, go ahead and honk your horn or do something. Let answer this question. This is now hush up. Well, let me ask the question. Oh, how many of you got siblings? Honk your horn. Deny Christ, we're going to kill you. He said, I'll never deny my Jesus. 
I'll never deny my Lord and my Savior. They threw him off of the top of the temple. It's about a hundred feet. He didn't die because James is tough, man. And so, and they didn't kill him that time, so they come back another time with a mile. They say, deny Jesus. As your Lord, as Lord said, deny Jesus. He said, I'll never do it. And they beat him to death with a club. They murdered him because he would not deny Jesus. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything, man. It demands a response. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he hated Christians, okay? If, if, if Paul was alive today, he'd be coming here trying to get you thrown in jail for being in a time church, okay? He hated Christians. He wanted to murder Christians. He thought all Christians deserved to die. But then he met a resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he changed everything. And he became probably one of the greatest Christians in all of the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament. And Jesus, after meeting a resurrected Jesus, he radically changed his life. And later on, and for Paul, many years later, it changed. They want Paul to deny Jesus, and he won't do it. The one who once hunted down the believers of Christ is now willing to die for Christ. Why is that? Because the resurrection changes everything. Right? And so they literally took off uh, the Apostle Paul's head. They beheaded the one who hated Jesus, but he's now willing to die for Jesus. That changes literally everything. I don't know about you, but that builds my faith. These men and women who before the resurrection are hiding and scared are now willing to be bold and proclaim Christ, and they're unafraid, and they are willing to die. Think about Thomas. This Thomas is unfairly branded as a, as a doubter and, maybe, and, and all that. This same Thomas, who once he met a resurrected Christ, he met a resurrected Jesus, and he said, my Lord and my God. Thomas, doubting Thomas, went further than any of the other apostles with the gospel. Thomas took the gospel all the way to India. India. Right, because he thought those people needed to know the same Jesus that he knew. That's how much it meant to him. So he takes the gospel to India. One day he's in a cave. Some people corner him in there, and they say, deny Jesus. Stop this Jesus stuff. And Thomas said, I'll never deny my Lord and my God. And they killed Thomas with a spear. They ran him through with a spear. The Jesus that Thomas doubted, he was now willing to die for. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything. Because the resurrection demands a response in the life of the unbelievers and the believers as well. And so Thomas was willing to die for the Jesus he once doubted. My question to you, if you're a believer here this morning, are you willing to live for this Jesus you claim to know? Do you believe Jesus enough to live for him? Right? I mean, because that builds my faith. The fact that the resurrection changes everything. And they threw the empty tomb in In fact, these disciples saw a risen Savior. They were willing to lay down their very life. And there's billions of people all over this planet right now who believe and confess the same thing that we're talking about. The fact that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is risen. And if you have honest, sincere doubts, you can put your faith and trust in that risen Savior. And he'll change your life from a, I kind of believe in Jesus, so I'll go to India to a cave and die for my Lord and my God. Do you have that kind of faith? Will you pray with me? Will you pray? Let's pray. Let's all pray. Father God, I just thank you for this moment, this time in your presence. God, I just ask that you would do it. I'm working on the church. Help us to know you and 
So let's get to the Everyone in cars, online, just keep praying. Keep praying where you're at. Let me ask you, those of you that are saved, you're a believer. What is the application of this message in your life? Do you need to grow in your faith? Do you need to grow in your faith? Are you living that kind of, sort of, believe in Jesus lifestyle? If Jesus called you to go to a cave in India and die for him, would you? And I'm not even saying that he's calling you to do that. Jesus died for you. Are you willing to live for him? So my prayer for you and me and for all of us, man, is that we would grow in our faith. So for those of you that you know what you're saying, and right now you're saying, you know what, I'm a follower, but I know I need my faith to grow a little bit more. Would you pray with me right now? Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you for all the so many committed believers down through this demonstrated their faith in the most difficult times. God, I'm grateful that our faith is impossible. God, that you give us a measure of faith. God, we're grateful that faith is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we as your children right now, we're asking for your help. Increase our faith, Father. Come sincerely and honestly. Lord, increase our faith. Help us Please sold out to you. You deserve it. Thank you, Lord, for the death of this week. Now check it out, guys. There's some of you as a believer. To be honest, you're not a believer. Maybe you've had some doubts like Thomas. And you recognize, you know, really doubting God on a lot of people. And we're not really sure about this resurrection. But God has been speaking to your heart. You want to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Once and for all. No more none of this halfway, kind of, sort of, tipping my hat to God. And now you want to live a life that absolutely, completely sold out for Jesus Christ. God is speaking to your heart. You want to be forgiven of your sins and redeemed forever. Is that you this morning? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in Jesus. Whether you want to many, many cars here or online, you need Jesus. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything. You can be forgiven. You can finally have peace with God. And your soul can be redeemed from an eternity in hell. But not only that, Jesus can help you. And give you strength and power. Give you measure of faith even now to live this life he's called you to live. Why don't you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Why don't you trust Christ? Lay down your sins. And trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to pray a prayer like this right there in your car, right there online, right now. Maybe you need to call out to God and simply acknowledge your sin. We're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Once you just acknowledge your sin to God, you know, you know, a moment ago we talked about Jesus coming into a locked room. Jesus knows that everything you've ever done, everything I've ever done. And he died anyway, knowing that you were going to do that dirt. He loves you that much. Why don't you come to him right now and simply say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Lord, I sin. I do things I know that, that are contrary to your will for my life. God, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. 
saved me Jesus. Tell them, say, Lord, not kind of, sort of, not a little bit, not like, yeah, kind of believe. God, I am staking my everything on your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Save me, Jesus. Then ask him, say, Lord, help me. Help me. Strengthen my faith. Lord, help me to live. Lord, help me to do whatever you're calling me to do. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I give you my life. Lord, you pray a prayer like that. I want to encourage you this morning. If you pray to see Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can go to that website, gracebackstaylor.com, that Grace at Home tab. There's a little thing that you can fill it out. Email it to us. We'll be praying for you. We'll follow up with you. Right? You need to tell somebody. Even if you're online, you can do that. You can send us a great message uh, to the church, to me. Thank you here. You know that you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you've not followed through on baptism. You need to be baptized. Why don't you go ahead and fill that out and send that to us, and we'll follow through and talk to you about baptism. You need to follow through. That's the first thing. Not being ashamed of Christ and following through and believing baptism. We have one here Saturday. Thank you, God, for calling me to be a part of the Great Baptist Church family. Right? Maybe you were complaining on supporting the church before all of this stuff happened, man. You just didn't do that. Fill out that form. Let us know. We'll be praying for you. We'll follow up with you. Maybe you've got some questions. Maybe you need to come after this service and tell me that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe after this service, everybody leaves. You need to hang out for a minute and come and tell me that you need to follow through and believe in baptism. Maybe you need to hang out for a minute and say, Brother Marcus, what do I got to do to make it official to be a part of the great Baptist family? I don't know. Whatever God is calling you to do this morning, do this. I'm going to encourage you to give it to Him and do it by faith. Father God, we surrender this time to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I can see water's raging at my feet.